praise the Lord, a king is born. Praise the Lord, a king is born. I promise you, well, at least I hope that uh, in the course of the next several weeks, you will have a bigger shout than that after we say a king is born. Let's try it again. A king is born. Praise the Lord. I have good news for you. I have good news for you. Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the good believe in the gospel. The word gospel is good news, so I'll occasionally stumble over my own mouth and repeat myself there. But the time is fulfilled. Would you say it out loud with me? And the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe. Oh, you got to say those two words together. If you miss one, you'll miss it all. Everybody say it with me. Repent and believe. Repent and believe in the gospel. The good news. Somebody say good news. Jesus of Nazareth burst onto the scene in Galilee and made this announcement. And it meant something to his audience. It was something they were expecting. It was something that they were waiting in anticipation for. How many know there's, there's something very powerful about anticipation? There's something very powerful about expectation, about anticipating, about being informed of something and then latching onto that thing with expectation. In the kingdom of God, that is a nearly an irresistible force. There is something powerful, and I might just say there is something powerful about anticipation that you can and really should bring with you every time you gather as Heritage Church. Whether it's in your home groups, your growth groups, or whether it's here on Sunday morning, it is so important that you bring something with you, that you bring with you an expectation. But you, and to do that, you've got to be infected with this idea that there is really good news, that the kingdom of God is really at hand, and, and there's no no better time to remember it than during Christmas because a king is born. A king is born and his kingdom has begun. Merry Christmas. Oh, I know it's Christmas. It's Christmas time. There's no need to. I got a lot of them. I know it's Christmas time and it's beginning to look and there's jingle bells and, and all those things. I, I Look, I'm a big fan of Christmas. You come to my house. You'll know, Mrs. We got. We'll have two trees. Well, no, we two big ones, and then a bunch of other ones. We got stuff. We got reindeer wearing scarfs. Why they wear scarfs? We got big, huge, giant socks. Nobody wears those size socks. I get it. I love Christmas. How many love Christmas? It's great. And I, and I, and I, and I, I want to be the last guy. I don't, I don't want anybody to frown at me and say, hey, Dad, you know, you're not Captain Fun. 
even though Mrs. Dav says there's no F-U-N in D-A-V. She says that. But in the midst of all of the stuff that we do during, because we're people and we love holidays and we just love having fun. In the midst of all of that, my friends, there is no better time to remember that what it, it's not even just enough because it's become so cliche. It's not even enough to say, hey, Jesus is the reason for the season. You know what? That's just, I, I agree with that, but people don't even hear that anymore because it just sounds like, but a king is born. And his kingdom has begun. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about a kingdom. We're talking about anticipation. We're talking about something that a people had been anticipating. And when they heard. Now, see, not everybody heard that he was born. So what what we're celebrating now is really that quiet bit of good news that people kind of kept to themselves. Isn't it too bad when people keep good news to themselves? Isn't that too bad? You know a good time to not keep good news to yourself? Now is a good time to be like the shepherds who couldn't contain themselves. And everywhere they went with overflowing joy, they kept telling people, a king is born. You know what's a great time right now in this city is to announce to your friends, to your neighbors, to your colleagues, hey, it's Christmas. Did you know a king has been born? It meant something when Jesus announced kingdom was at hand. It was met with anticipation. It was met with expectation. I want to challenge you to stir up your expectometers. What were they expecting? The Old Testament prophets, particularly in the book of Isaiah, had promised that a king was coming. A king was coming. A king who would usher in a kingdom, a domain, a dominion. They really believed that. They really believed that a king was coming and that his coming would make a difference. It wasn't going to be a theory. It wasn't going to be an idea. It was, I mean, I know God, it's precious baby in a manger. Listen, I was, as precious as that is, we got at least one or two manger scenes at the house. That's beautiful. But don't leave him cute in the manger. Understand that what we're celebrating is that nobility was born. A man of noble birth had come in. God became man and, and became the most vulnerable and that he might experience all that we did. But understand, as precious as that story is, it's written not so that people will say, oh, hey, that suit's fresh. It's written so that we will understand that Jesus didn't appear as a ghost out of the middle of nowhere, but that he came, God became man, and became a king, and a king has been born. Isaiah, in particular, portrays that a, this coming kingdom, this would be a reign of God, that there would, there was so, a king would come. He would be a king who would deliver and rescue and save a people who needed it. I know that doesn't harmonize with jingle bells. But listen, there's been a king, and he came to deliver and to rescue and to save people. Isaiah describes this. Honestly, there's about 17 different passages in the book of Isaiah that, that give some brief and some at length that describe 
to uh, the audience, Isaiah sows the seed of promise that, be, that, 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 that resonated, that, sat in, that incubated in the heart of a nation for centuries. Honestly, it grew dark. After Isaiah said these things, it didn't, it didn't get brighter, it got darker. Captivity, exile, post-exile, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi, the prophetic voice, and then silence. For 400 years, silence. Gathered in the synagogues were these words. Someday the king would come. And then one night that had no foreshadowing, no reason. It was just another day, like today, just another Sunday. Just another day. And a group of shepherds just doing their thing, telling the same old shepherd jokes that they heard the night before. Did you hear the one about, yeah, we heard it, Frank. Easy. Frank's a good Jewish name. I'd say Frankenstein, but then that's a whole nother thing. <laughs> Listen, so they're all, thank you. Hey, I've been wondering where you guys have been. It's good to see you. Uh, one night that, was, that had no foreshadowing, no difference, no feeling in the air, no heebie-jeebies, no goosebumps, nothing, no reason to believe anything unusual would happen, and suddenly the skies broke apart, and, and, and inexplicably the host of heaven began to sing, and they said, guess what? A king has been born! And in the midst of the darkness, light burst forth, and that light has never gone out. That light continues to shine. I want to tell you today that there's a reason that we put on lights everywhere. It's because a king has been born. 17 times Isaiah says a king is coming, a king is coming, and here's what it's like. And all through the book of Isaiah, there's this emphasis on the dynamic personal presence of God and his saving action. And then Jesus comes onto the scene in Galilee. Now, if you don't, you might just say, oh, you're going to say it in a minute. Oh, that's really cool. You just say it now in anticipation. Say, that's really cool. It's really cool. He comes, shows up because you read that in Galilee. You think, oh, whatever, that's just what Galilee, that's, isn't that neat? No, 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 no. Yeah, that's on purpose. Jesus' announcement of the imminent kingdom of God meant something to him and something to his audience. So I want us in these in these weeks of Christmas, normally we spend time in, just in the, the Christmas narratives, and those are great. I, you remember last year, I, we, we spent time in the first 17 verses of Matthew 1, 147 names or whatever it was. But we, made, we, we found something there, though. Amen. But today I want to, this week, 
these weeks before Christmas, I, I want to remind you and perhaps just inform you of what they understood this meant. I want to make you, I want to, if I will forgive the, the indelicate nature of this word, but I want to make you pregnant with this, with a greater hope of what it means that a king has been born and his kingdom has begun. Say that with me. His kingdom has begun. We celebrate Christmas. We celebrate this king. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 through 7. There's so many to choose from in Isaiah, but we're going to just camp in these seven verses, breaking them apart just little by little each week. But we're, let's, let's begin this, this introductory Sunday. Let's just begin. I want to read the whole passage to you. And I want to make sure that we, that we all grasp these, the phrase, the time is at hand, that the, 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 time, the time has been fulfilled, that this is a now promise and not a someday event. <laughs> Boy, even just saying all that, just I read the first few words and I get happy. You ready? Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 through 7. But there will be no more gloom. Now, if you did, there will be no more gloom. A king has been born. Oh, it gets better. There will be no more gloom for her who was in anguish in earlier times. He treated the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. I realize that many of you, when you read, start reading Zebulun and Naphtali, that you read faster. Get to the good parts. Treated them with contempt, but later he shall make it glorious by way of the sea on the other side of the Jordan. Wait for it. Galilee of the Gentiles. Mm -hmm. Way back, I, Isaiah says, there's something brewing in Galilee. <laughs> I mean, something before. Back then they thought, well, that's up there by them Gentile folk. But in that northern region, up there in the Galilee area, northern and up there in the Hickville, where they, where they wear overalls with only one overall on, and, and they got a, a hayseed coming out their mouth. Up there in Galilee, there's some, nothing, nothing good ever happens up there. But Isaiah the prophet said, I smell something cooking. Something is brewing. Something is happening up there in Galilee. And it's going to change things. It's going to mean no more gloom. <laughs> okay, okay. Verse 2. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in a dark land the light will shine upon them. Okay, that's what we're going to do today, but here's, what, here's the rest of it for the weeks ahead. You get excited? Okay? Be, come back to church. Bring somebody with you. Test a good time to announce, tell somebody the king has been born. Here's verse 3. You shall multiply the nation. You shall increase their gladness. How many could use increase gladness? Come to church next week. Okay? They will be glad in your presence as with the harv as the gladness of harvest, as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. How many could use more joy? Come next week. Verse 4. 
For you shall break the yoke of their burden and the staff off on the staff on their shoulders. How many know somebody that needs deliverance? Come the next week. The rod of their oppressor. For every boot. Oh, that's good. Verse 6. I can't tell you now. It's so exciting. Verse 6. For a child will be born to us. A son will be given to us. And the government will rest on his shoulders. (laughs) His name will be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, Eternal Father, and Prince of Peace. Woo! (laughs) There will be no end to the increase of his government. Frank, I'm glad you came back. I thought maybe you got mad about my Frank joke and left, but you came back. Thank you, Jesus. There will be no end to the increase. No end to the increase. Listen, Christmas, this is just, we're just getting warmed up. Okay, let's come back to last week. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. The intensity of God's loving devotion for his people will get this done. I've got good news for you. A king is born. And his kingdom has begun. It is essential, friends, for you and I to embrace and to believe that Jesus came fulfilling these promises. The king has been born and his kingdom has already begun. There is a not yet aspect to what we understand to be the kingdom of God. If you've been around the church for a while or you've read a little bit of theology stuff or articles, you might have heard even the phrase already slash not yet. Meaning that we understand that the kingdom of God is already here and yet there is an aspect to his completion, to his total fulfillment that is not yet, that indeed awaits Christ's triumphant return. Everybody said yes, amen. But our anticipation of Christ's triumphant return must not lead us to let loose of his present lordship of his right now reign somebody say right now reign come on say right now if you i know we remember this is why at heritage we try to say stuff we try to say god is good right now instead of all the time because all the time kind of lets god off the hook from being present right now all the time, it's like, hey, anytime. But right now, we have this sense of expectation. And it's essential that you understand that while we are awaiting something more, and we spent the whole time in First Peter remembering that there's more to life than this life, but that doesn't mean that Jesus is not Lord right now. The King has come. Jesus did not come to say, There's no gospel verse that says that, and at that time, Jesus began preaching, saying, keep waiting, hang tight, I'll be back in a while. He said, the time has come. And, and, and anybody who believed him, that affected their experience. Yeah, see, see what, what your expectation 
how your embrace of that idea that the time has come will absolutely affect your experience now. How, how much of his dominion you're experiencing now is really related to your expectation, your embrace of this truth. The time has come. I know there's more to come. I thank God there's more to come. I don't even understand how much more there is to come. But Jesus didn't come to say, hang on, sit tight. Here's a, here, here's something to tide you over. My parents used to say that to me when I was a kid and I was hungry. They'd say, why don't you just have something to tide you over? Like, I don't really want to f- meet your, at- you got to, I had, I had at one time an appetite. <laughs> I don't appreciate it. I don't appreciate it. But Jesus did not say, I'm going to come and do a little bit just to tide you over. As a matter of fact, it's only going to benefit the few people that I'm going to meet around the Mediterranean area for a few decades. But then don't worry, there will be centuries of people that have to live in hopelessness and darkness until I come back. That's not good news. That's a cult. That's a religion. That's death. That's not we have a king has been born jesus said did not say keep waiting he said the time has come believe the good news repent and believe not hang out and wait repent and believe say it out loud with me everybody Repent and believe. you got to throw away everything that you used to think about sin and darkness and self. And the, and the only way, see, this is the thing. If you got to believe that a king has been born, because when a king comes, he brings a dominion. He brings a domain. He, it's an invasion. I, and I know, oh, little town of Bethlehem, how still we see. That's a king. He came to invade. He didn't come with any weapon. He came with himself and with the anointing of the Spirit and with the proclamation of truth. He didn't need any weapons. But understand this, that was an invasion of heaven. And the only way to respond to an invasion is to resist or to repent. What are you going to do? What have you done? Resist him or repent. I know what Gordon did. You know what I love about Gordon is he doesn't know I can hear him. So he'll say something like, I repent. Well, at least I hope I did. I think I did. At least I want to. You know. <laughs> I'll take it. Gordon, I'll take a thousand more of you. Let me just give you a comparison. It's Isaiah 61. Isaiah 61 is another one of the passages in Isaiah that, that describes the, the coming of the king. And, and, and we know this, that in Luke chapter 4, verses 18 through 20, Jesus comes to a synagogue and they hand him the scroll and he reads from this passage that describes the coming of the king about the spirit of the Lord, the anointed one. And then Jesus reads it. And here's what it says. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel, the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives. When? When? Not, not hang on and wait. 
Yeah, release, release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord right now. And then he closed the book and he gave it back to the attendant and he began to say, which means he kept saying this. He said it in other places, at other times, to other attendants, at other synagogues. He began to say, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. You know what Jesus said in the synagogue? He stood up and said, a king has been born and his kingdom has begun. Today, this has been fulfilled. Friends, I've got good news for you. A king has been born. And his kingdom has begun. And what we'll see in the weeks ahead, starting with today, is this is a kingdom of light. It is a kingdom of joy. It is a kingdom of salvation. It is a king who, it is a kingdom whose king is God himself. And whose kingdom shall have no end. Whew. Let's look at some of the qualities of this kingdom. We have, how much time we got? We got plenty of time. Well, just look at the first two verses today and get happier. You ready? All right. Uh, Joel is getting ready to get happier. Everybody say a kingdom of light. The first, the first image that we are given about this kingdom, the first thing we are to expect is that this will be a kingdom of light. <laughs> Listen to this again. Verse 1. But there will be no more gloom. No more gloom for her who was in anguish. In earlier times, he treated the land of Zebulun and then the land of Naphtali with contempt. But later on, he shall make it glorious by way of the sea. On the other side of the Jordan, Galilee. Did you hear that? No more gloom. Who, what, what is the deal with Zebulun and Naphtali? Well, Isaiah's audience understood. These were, the, these were uh, allotted territories for the tri two tribes that were in the north in Israel northern the northern part of the kingdom now the way that the way that Israel was set up you know it runs basically north and south to the to the I, get, I don't make fun of my directions I'm not great with them but I think to this side to the west I think that's west west is water so they got they got east over here which is basically wilderness so they got folk to the south of them and the southeast, and then folk to the north. Uh, most of the time, their trouble came from the north. Invaders, marauders, come at them from the north. And the land of Zebulun and Naphtali, there was a highway that came right down. It was like I-5. And so if trouble was going to come, it took the freeway. Literally. And so if, if trouble was, oh, it was like, oh, no, Zebulun and Naphtali got it again. The first people that got the trouble was them. And they had to call for reinforcements from down south. But in more contemporary times, we understand we, we, they, we don't really use the tribal names. We use the regional name, which is Galilee. Just west of the Sea of Galilee. And Isaiah said in chapter 9 that there, is a time, there was a time coming when that region will no longer be gloomy, but glorious. No more gloom, but glorious.
but glory. Can somebody say no more gloom? But glory. A king has been born. And this, and this glory, it will come by way of Galilee. Well, what? What could have happened in Galilee? Who, who could it be? Matthew chapter 4. In Matthew chapter 4, verses 15 through 17, it says that Jesus came out of the wilderness, and then for some reason, he went to Galilee. He went to Galilee. Yeah, throw that at me. Yeah, thank you. My sweaty forehead's getting all too shiny for Jay. <laughs> Did I tell you? I didn't tell you. I'll tell you. Real quick, because this reminds me. When I was in Cuba, <laughs> one night I spoke to some leaders. There was a, I didn't know how many were going to be there. It turned out there was a couple of hundred leaders there of, of, of one of the apostolic networks. And uh, I don't, you know, I don't like, you many of you heard this, you know, I don't like saying, hey, I'm here, I'm an American, listen to me. I don't like that kind of nonsense. These people most of the time know, know more, way more about what they're doing than I would know about what they're doing. But I always, but I know I can be an encouragement to them. And so I, I told them, I, I felt right away, I had a message, but I thought before that I, I wanted, I read to them from uh, Jesus washing his, the disciples' feet and Jesus saying to his disciples, I've shown you the path of blessing, so you'll be blessed if you do this for one another. And so what I said was, I feel like we, our team had come to wash their feet. To serve them, to bless them, to encourage them. And so then I said, I know that you're all courageous and strong leaders. I said, but I imagine there's, there may be one or two of you here that, you know, it's been rough and, or, or, or challenging for you. And we're just here, we just want to pray with you and just wipe the dust of discouragement and, and debris off of your feet. We want to pray with you tonight. And I honestly, in my mind's eye, I thought there would be one or two, and maybe up to 12, because, you know, disciples. And uh, that, that uh, yeah, thank you. That's what I thought, you know. I thought I thought this little perfect metaphor of there were 12 people would stand up, and it would be this wonderful prophetic metaphor. And, uh, and I felt like the Lord told me, I felt like the Lord told me I was to pray over their feet, lay hands on their feet. I, I thought about getting a bucket of water, but translation and where's water, and you never know. And so I thought, I'll just pray. I'll just put my hands on their feet. Pray for them. One, maybe two, maybe 12. So I said, how many, you know, Jethro, you know, just could use some encouragement. want to pray for you this today. And, and, um, and, uh, and, they, and they all raised their hand. And I said, no, no, no. no, 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 no you don't understand. So I thought translator said something wrong. So I tried again. Only those who specifically really want, feel like you could infuse encouragement, need prayer. So, and I told the Lord, I'm going to lay hands on everybody's feet, you know, that wants, anyway, about, I don't know if there were, all 200 of them came. <laughs> so I spent the next hour on my hands and knees on the concrete, praying over every single one of those Cubans' feet. And and after a while, I, I was on the ground, and I felt one of these, Jay. It was like, <laughs> there's this Cuban filler behind me. He takes this rag, plants it on my head, like a windshield wiper across my head. Yeah. 
But uh, bless God, I, t- I said, Lord, I told you I'd do this, and we did. Let's look at some of these things. No more gloom. Out of Galilee, Matthew chapter 4 says that Jesus came out of the wilderness, and for some reason, if, you re- if you're just reading the Matthew long, you think, well, I wonder why he went to Galilee. <laughs> Listen. He went to Galilee in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali. And here's what it says. This was to fulfill what was spoken through Isaiah the prophet. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who were sitting in darkness saw a great light. And those who were sitting in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light dawned. From that time, verse 17, somebody say from that time. (laughs) From that time, Jesus began to preach and say, hang on and wait. No, he said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I am the light. No more gloom. Time for glory. Jesus fulfilled these words. Friends, I've got good news for you. A kingdom has been born. Look at verse 2 in Isaiah. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. I don't want to get carried away over every single word, even though every word is worth getting carried away over. But everybody say a great light. light. Is Is that how you see Jesus? A great light. Not some... Dinky, winky, a little flash bulb, you know, kind of fading. He, not something that just kind of barely shines. We're talking about a light that overcomes every trace of darkness. Darkness literally flees at, at, at the brightness of his coming. Wow. They'll see a great light. Those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. This king brings to us a kingdom of light. In the Old Testament, in fact, all of uh, biblical literature, darkness has to do with, with judgment and all of its effects. It has to do with people living in unrighteousness and living under oppression. Living Usually, darkness has to do with not only how people are living in terms of their rebellion and their disobedience, but also the effects of it. The fact, it, all, it almost always represents that people are living under some sort of uh, oppression from an oppressor. Someone other than their, their rightful person is, is ruling over them, and they're living in darkness. But light, light has to do with deliverance. And all of its effects, it has to do with deliverance from oppression. And it has to do with hope because of the presence of God. Look here, Psalm 107, verses 10 through 14, almost says the same thing to us. It says, there were those who dwelt in darkness and the shadow of death. Prisoners, see this is darkness, prisoners in misery and chains. Because they had rebelled against the words of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High, therefore he humbled their heart. With labor, they stumbled, and there was no one to help. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distress. He brought them out of darkness. See, coming out of darkness has to do with being delivered. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and broke their bands apart. 
of this king and his, and his kingdom, Isaiah says, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in this dark land, the light will shine on them. For those oppressed, for those who walk, for those who live in darkness and in unrighteousness and without hope, a light has come. Hope has arrived. A king has been born. This king is Jesus of Nazareth, who God anointed with the Holy Spirit and power. And he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Hey, friends, I've got good news for you. A king has been born. And he's not just a light. He's the light. The light will shine upon those who live in a dark land. This light is Jesus who stood and proclaimed, I am the light of the world. Did you know, can I tell you? You know when Jesus said that, I am the light of the world? I know you say, well, he said it in John 8. Because you have it right there, Dap, right in John, it's up there. Wait, pop, click, point, PowerPoint, click. 1038, there we go. 812. Oh, you went all the way to Colossians. Don't go to Colossians. I'm not there. 812. John 812. That's where Jesus said it. Yes. But what was happening in John 812? What was happening right then? Well, Israel was already, the, the it, Jewish people were already celebrating Hanukkah. Yeah, they were. And the Temple Mount during that season was lit up with candles. On the, on the Temple Mount, on the mount there. Lit up with magnificent candles. And and in the dark of the night, those candles would light up and the light would glow from the temple with brilliance and wonder. And you know what Jesus had the nerve to do? No, not blow them out. No. That's not even in the Bible. No. That's not his birthday. Well, blow them out. What a New Testament class. Sign up. Coming soon. He stood on the steps of that temple with all of those candles behind him. When they were celebrating their, 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 their festival of light, he stood on the temple mount on the steps with those candles behind him and said, I am the light of the world. <laughs> That's chutzpah. I am the light of the world. He who follows me will, Jesus said, will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. When you follow this king, there is real hope. There is light and there is life. This is a different way of living, not a life of emptiness, not a life that is temporary, not a life of self, but a life of love and a life of hope and a life of righteousness and a life of eternity. About following this Jesus, this king. This king offers real hope, real life, real life. Jesus Christ forgives and heals and delivers and restores. A light has burst into the darkness. And he's already done it. Darkness has been defeated. He has rescued us. Now go to Colossians. Click. 
There it is. Colossians says, for he rescued us from the domain or the dominion of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son. I need to do a little bit of homework there. But, but in the Greek, usually those words are the same. Basalia, dominion, domain, kingdom. And so it really is, it literally means we have been rescued. We have been taken out of one kingdom and transferred into another. But both of them are places where you're under the dominion or the domain of somebody. And when you're in the kingdom or the domain of darkness, that's a place of oppression. You might think you're free or think you're doing your own thing, but you're just wandering around in the mess of your own chains. But, the, but in Jesus Christ, he rescues us from darkness and takes us out of that domain. He breaks the right of darkness over your life. You need to believe this, that if you come to know Jesus Christ, darkness has no right in your life. It doesn't have a right to be there. It doesn't have a place. It can't, it can't say, oh, well, you got to get used to those. Those chains are not legal. You've been set free. Those things have no right in your life. That darkness in your heart, that darkness in your mind, the darkness of the, the behavior patterns and the stuff that you say, well, it's always been this way. It'll get better when I get to heaven. It will get better when you get to heaven, but you don't have to wait because you've already been rescued. Come on, the church needs to believe this. Your expectation, your embrace of this truth that the time has come. That will determine your experience of this kingdom. That's why Jesus said, you've got to repent and believe this. You've got to do that. The kingdom doesn't come with observation. It doesn't come because you take a look as it passes by. The way to access this kingdom is to repent and to believe it. For all who are under oppression, for all who live without the light of hope, there is good news. The king is born, and his kingdom has begun. We are invited, in fact, we are commanded to believe, to trust in the right now reign of Jesus Christ. And his light will shine upon us. It's Christmas season. Many of you have already started hanging lights. And everywhere. In every corner. <laughs> Some of you have a light in every corner of your house. Every corner of your rooftop. Some of you are just mad that your neighbors already did. There's so many lights in our house, I have to close the door. You can't even go to sleep at night. You literally can't. Everybody's room's lit up, hall, stairway lit up. I keep thinking every night I go to bed, I keep thinking, oh, I left the light on downstairs. Nope. <laughs> That's just the garland. <laughs> we had like two trees last year. This week we got four. Who knows how many trees we'll have next year with lights on them. Lights everywhere. You know what? Light them. Light them. Light them up. I want you to, every time, you gentlemen, every time you think about cussing because one of your bulbs burned out and you can't figure out where that one is and the whole chain is out, you know, you know what I'm talking about. You're all frustrated because your wife brings you this strand of lights and says, fix this, and you don't know what to do. So you say, oh, sure, I'll fix it. And then when she's not looking, you go buy a new strand. 
Some of you guys just aren't doing anything because you don't want to admit it. Listen, every light, every candle, every lantern, light it up. Light it up. And every time you see a light this season, I want you to say to yourself, a king has been born. A king has been born. Listen, light this place up. Light your house up. Light your neighborhood. Light your heart up. A king has been born. And his kingdom has begun. And the first thing that we see is that this is a kingdom of light. No more gloom. Time for glory. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the good news. I'm going to ask you to stand together as we close. With God's help, if, <clears throat> if there was one thing that I could try to try to accomplish in your heart this morning, and I, I can't do it through persuasion, but I can give my voice in partnership to the Holy Spirit and pray this: that you will be persuaded to believe that this kingdom has begun. That the time has been fulfilled. That this kingdom is at hand. And, I, and my deepest prayer is that there would be such a holy and happy anticipation not of, not of just a someday, but of this day. That you would believe that right now there is a, the dominion of Jesus Christ beckons you to repent of unbelief, of apathy. that right now right now there's hope right now there's light right now there is deliverance <laughs> okay I want you to bow your heads across this house this word deliverance can be kind of big kind of sounds scary But I want, let me say it again, the kingdom of God is at hand. This, this king has been born and he, is a, he, has, he has brought to us a kingdom of light. And I proclaim, I announce to, to, the, to the darkness, <laughs> the light is shining. The light has come. For my friends who are here this morning and you feel like you've lived, that there's gloom. There's gloom. There's some gloom that's hovering over your life. There's some, there's some cycle of oppression. There is uh, something that you, you 
feel like you can't shake. And sometimes you don't even know what it is, but it's something that you can't shake. It, uh, there's a, it causes, sometimes it causes behavior patterns. It causes you to act out in ways that you regret afterwards. Some of you have been wrestling with, with trouble in your soul so much that you keep, that you keep thinking, oh my goodness, I, am, I going, am I going nuts there? I keep hearing these voices, this, these feelings of such, of such anxiousness, of such gloom. I know it seems, it seems like it's impossible to believe that someone could just help you. But Jesus has come to not just to help you, but to take you out of that place, to rescue from you, rescue you from that domain, that tyranny, and bring you over into the kingdom of the Son of His love. I just want to pray right now. If you're here, this, if you're here today, and you say, I just want you to have the the the, the sweet courage, the humble, honest courage. There's no, there's no shade being thrown here. There's no shame being thrown here. There's hope being cast. I just want to say right now, you say, you know, Dav, I don't really even understand it, but I know that I have been struggling under the weight of something that I cannot shake on my own. I want you to lift your hand. as a sign of saying, I believe the light has come for me. Just lift up your hand right now. For some, it might be more recent. For others, it might be quite a while. But I want you to lift up your hand. Just hold it up right now. Just hold it there. Just be honest with yourself. As if the Lord Jesus were passing by looking for people that wanted his lordship. Just lift up your hand and say, that's me. I'm not saying you're not saved. I'm saying you need to, You just would say, hey, you know what? I, I, I need to believe for myself today that that king his kingdom for me. If you need deliverance today, just lift it up. Lift up that hand, just hold it there. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. Those of you that have your hands lifted today, in the name of Jesus Christ, I want to announce to you today that the time has been fulfilled. That the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Believe the good news. Jesus Christ breaks that stuff off of you. Jesus Christ invades your heart and your life with the light of his very presence. Not with a seven step of how to, but the very, the very presence of Jesus Christ comes bursting into your life today. Jesus Christ bursting into your life today. Father, let the light of Christ burst into my friends' lives today, into their hearts, into their lives. Let them be set free. No more gloom, but glory. In the name of Jesus Christ, we together, Lord, we repent of stuff that we've clung to and believed, and instead we believe this. We believe now that Jesus Christ is king. He is, and his kingdom has begun, and he reigns in our lives now. If you believe that, would you say amen? Amen.